Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 628 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, December the 23rd. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at Woodley Sean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, if you don't know by now, we got lots of stuff on the Locked On Podcast Network for you. Whether you're a hockey, baseball, basketball, football fan, we've got college programs covered all over the United States. Please make sure you're searching up the Locked On and Insert team here. And more than likely, there is going to be a show covering your favorite teams. And uh, it's daily. It's lovely. And we very much appreciate it if you subscribe, rate, review, all of that good stuff when you do find a show that you want to support. All right. On today's show, wow. Uh, tr- the Toronto Raptors pulled off a 30-point comeback in about 14 and a half minutes of game time. Against the Dallas Mavericks to win 110-107 on Sunday, shorthanded, still without Siakam, Powell, Gasol, and it doesn't seem to matter because Kyle freaking Lowry is the God King, and we should all just bow down to him, I suppose. Joining me to talk about the exploits of one Kyle Lowry, who just got named Eastern Conference Player of the Week, as well as all the other contributions that went into that crazy-ass comeback yesterday, is our pal Pavek Jacob. What is going on, buddy? Nothing much, man. Still basking in the glory of that ridiculous run. Oh, it was so fun, man. I was at a family Christmas gathering thingy, and we were watching the game on mute for the most part, and then they were down 30, and people weren't really paying all that much attention. I was still watching because my brain is poisoned, but I was watching, and as they started to chip away, more and more people kind of started to sit around the table or around the around the living room to get a kick out of it and by the end we had it at like full blast volume like 15 people just like losing their shit uh, over kyle lowry which uh is i guess the power of the raptors now that they're a team that you know normies like now and, and i'm excited for like christmas for that very reason to watch the game with my family and stuff like that because they're all converted and uh, i'm sure kyle lowry do some wild stuff there as he's likely to do tonight when the raptors take on the pacers as well uh it just uh um, where where were you? What were you doing while you're watching this game? And what was your reaction as it, as it was all unfolding? I was uh, watching the game at home. I was just chilling out, relaxing, watching the game, um, debating turning it off when <laughs> they were down twenty plus in the third, and it just looked like they couldn't get anything going offensively, and it kind of fit what should be the narrative of this team missing Gasol and Siakam and Powell. It just, you know, it just seemed like they didn't have enough offense to compete uh, against uh, what is usually a very good defense. And I thought that, uh, once again, you put any four guys next to Kyle Lowry and all of a sudden magic (laughs) starts to happen. Uh, But yeah, obviously the, the turning point was probably going into the full court press and just wreaking all kinds of havoc. And um, I think the moment when you started to feel like, okay, this is probably going to go the Raptors way is when uh, the Raptors were able to cause that steal at mid court. And then the ball goes to Terrence Davis. And then without a thought, he just shoots the ball. Like as if there's two seconds (laughs) on the clock and that goes in. Because, you know, it's one of those, no, 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 yes. 
Um, and yeah, as soon as that happens, you're thinking, okay, all bets are off now. Um, things are about to get crazy as, as if they weren't already. And yeah, Kyle Lowry just kept making threes and kept making plays for everyone else. And uh, everyone else uh, was doing a little bit of exactly what they needed to. Chris Boucher is just, um, Louis Zatzman put it well in the post game when he asked Nick Nurse about uh, what it's like to have someone that can just go out there and be a lunatic um, <laughs> and just race all over the court. And that's basically what Boucher does. They've asked him to stop thinking and just play, and his way of playing is just to run everywhere all the time. And it worked out well. It was rather effective. You're not wrong there. Uh, so the, uh, they made a bit of a push near the end of the third to kind of get it back to, I think, 23, which was nice, but it still felt like it was pretty long, a long way off because of the offense. The offense had been off during this game Mm -hmm. um just the the, every worst fear that anyone had when Gasol Siakam and Powell went down the just the inability to create separation the inability for anyone outside of Lowry to really run a pick and roll and you know get into the offense and set things up for guys on a platter it just all of it was happening and the Mavs were doing a really good job of just you know like letting the Raptors play themselves out of it with their just sort of stodgy half court offense. And you get to the fourth quarter and you know, what is the Raptors? What is like, what has their moniker been for the last few years? It's defense leads to offense. Right. And this was like an ultimate example of that where their defense was janky and bizarre and hyper aggressive to the point where, I mean, Rick Carlisle talked about it after the game, I think, where he was just like, we never got comfortable with it. We were just like completely thrown for a loop. And outside of, I think, one possession where they broke the the half court, sorry, the full court press, and they yeah. got the dunk for Dorian Finney-Smith going down the lane, they didn't really break it once. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, I think, you know, if they had Luca, you're probably talking about a different finish to this game, obviously. And, you know, you're kind of okay with Jalen Brunson being the guy you're throwing all that length at because, you know, that's a problem for Jalen Brunson, as it is everyone else who was on the floor there. And it just, it really threw them for a loop. And I, everything that that, that 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 did to the Mavs, it sort of flowed into the Raptors' offense. The Raptors did an amazing job of gang rebounding. I think they only gave up like one offensive rebound in the fourth quarter as well. And that Porzingis put back dunk. Other than that, it was, you know, Malcolm Miller and Boucher and Rondé just like getting all of the long rebounds. The Raptors always fail to get. It seems like that's been their biggest bugaboo all season long is, you know, teams that shoot a lot of threes have those long rebounds come off and they're just not ever in the spots, those soft spots, like the 18 foot range where they kind of land to get those boards. But, you know, Miller was just like, chasing down balls like a maniac and Boucher mm-hmm. was doing the same thing and it was just bloody impressive I mean Malcolm Miller what an amazing stat line for him in this one uh 17 minutes zero points six boards two assists three steals and a plus 29 on 0 of 4 shooting I mean just a, a super bizarre didn't really affect the offense all that much but his steals and his rebounding and the, the just like the speed with which he and everyone else was just tracking to the ball it, it was like remarkable to watch and you know we've seen them play this kind of defense before where they're on a string and they're able to rotate really quickly and actually on a podcast that's already recorded uh tomorrow we're talking a little bit about how the celtics do a similar thing with john corrales from lockdown celtics uh and, and like this isn't anything new like this is 
we, we've seen this all year long and the biggest thing is that it's kind of made guys tired and it's been exhausting and maybe because it was fresh legs out there guys who hadn't been playing the entire game plus Lowry or or just the sort of adrenaline of thinking that they had a chance they were able to maintain that energy for 12 straight minutes which was remarkable considering how much was going into every single possession yeah I think that yeah that is probably the craziest part uh, out of all of it because <clears throat> Even at the end, when they when Nick Nurse brings in Fred for uh, Malcolm Miller, it I, I honestly don't think it, it had anything to do with fatigue. It was just purely, hey, we need another ball handler out there for this final possession. We need, you know, m- maybe Mal- Malcolm missing those couple of shots cost him too. Um, but everyone was just playing off each other beautifully, and the energy, um, you know, every, everyone was playing off each other's energy as well. And they seemed perfectly in sync for a unit that hardly ever plays together. And it was like the perfect mishmash of everything that sort of Kyle needs alongside him to make work, right? Like he had uh, Rondé and Chris Boucher sort of ducking in at the perfect times. He had uh, Terrence Davis making shots. He had um, Malcolm Miller defensively. Like, you know, we, we talked about Dallas not breaking that press outside of that one time. And I think after that one play where they did break it, I thought they, the Raptors did a great job of understanding when to go away from really pressing on the ball to getting back mm-hmm. into position. And there were several times where at half court, you could see the Raptors switch from, okay, we've put, we've put in the work, we've put in the pressure, there's nothing more we can do here. Let's play defense for the remaining 16 seconds uh, or 14 seconds, whatever, whatever is left here, um, and just get a stop. And... Mm-hmm. I thought Kyle was sort of commandeering that perfectly and everyone was on a string uh, defensively in terms of following up with that and getting to the right spots. Um, And even when they weren't in the right spots, you had, you know, like you said, Malcolm Miller, Chris Boucher, just flying out and getting to where they needed to get to. Um, And at least, you know, making the Mavs sort of think twice or maybe rush a shot here or there. Um, and yeah, it was really interesting because, you know, uh, Rick Carlisle turned to Tim Hardaway Jr. at certain points and um, tried to get some pick and roll action going between Brunson and Porzingis. And it just seemed like no matter what, the Raptors were able to sort of hold their own. Once they built that initial momentum, um, you know, especially when you cut a 30-point lead to 10 in the span of like five or six game minutes, I I think I think you you know you the opponent that gives that up. I, I think you, at that point you're just pretty much in a state of shock, and you're just desperately mm-hmm. trying to hang on. And I think the Raptors just took advantage from there. Yeah, I thought the point you made about them only having 14 to 16 seconds to work with, whenever they would get through whatever gauntlet they had to pass through in the backcourt. Um, when the Mavs did get their offense sort of set and the Raptors sort of switched from press back to just playing man-to-man or whatever weird-ass zones they were throwing out, they were throwing out all sorts of shit. Um, But whenever they did, it was, you know, a pretty shortened and abbreviated time for them to find any sort of shot, right? And it did feel (laughs) pretty panicky where it seemed like whenever someone had at least a look, right? It was like the first open look that was going, uh, that they got was going up, even if it wasn't like the best look or if it was like not the best player to be putting it up. They just all seemed kind of panicky and just wanted to try to get buckets on the board to try to stem the stem the tide. But, you know, credit to the Raptors again. I thought their defensive rebounding was amazing. I thought the work that they did as well to try to, I think, counteract the extra bodies they were sending Kyle's way 
was also pretty smart. I mean, they had Terrence Davis as the screener for most of the fourth quarter. And yeah. we're trying to use that thread of him being able to be sort of the, the outlet guy to leverage Lowry and try to avoid having two bodies fully sent towards Kyle. And he still got them sent sometimes. And the Raptors did a good job of surviving in those minutes, but in those, you know, in those possessions, but for the most part, they were able to keep the ball in Kyle's hands. And when that happens, he's going to do what the hell he did last night. Like we haven't really even talked about Kyle yet. He's the reason all of this happened. Ultimately, he was remarkable. 32, eight and 10, 12 of 23, five of 13 from downtown. Just, a an all-timer from him man uh, I, I can't really think of two or three games that i might even consider putting above this one in terms of like the larry pantheon games he just did everything his sh- shot found itself in the fourth quarter and it just felt at some point like he was never going to miss all of his threes were backbreaking in their own way and you could tell he made the three to make it 93 83 i believe this was the one from the left wing yeah, and you could tell as the as they called the timeout and they went back to the bench. Like Lowry knew what was up. Like he knew yeah. that Dallas had nothing at that <clears> point, and it was just like some killer instinct stuff that Kyle busts out sometimes. Hasn't really for a couple of years. I mean, Game Six of the Finals comes to mind. Game One against the Bucks comes to mind. But other than that, it's been kind of absent for a couple of years. We haven't really seen one of these full on Lowry fu games. For you, where does this rank? I know it's hard with recency bias and everything, and like the buzz of that win is still probably lingering in all of our our, our, our bodies. But I just was like lost for words, and it felt like every time he touched the ball, something good was going to happen in this one. And it was just uh, like again, I don't know where I'd rank it, but do you have any other candidates that are even anywhere close? Because there aren't many in terms of just regular season. I I mean, you would have to put that. Cleveland career high in there. Um, People raised the the road game in Utah uh, as well. Um, But yeah, regular season, it might be, it might be right at the top. Um, Cause you know, the the only two that I think you can clearly put above would be uh, NBA finals game six. And then, uh, you know, Eastern conference semis game seven against Miami. Uh, But after that, yeah, this was this was an historic performance, and I don't think anyone should forget that. And uh, I, th- I think you raise a great point about that three that he made, where you can see him going back to the timeout, like, okay, here we go. This is like we've done the hard part almost, you know. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay, this is this is where we need to be right now. We we can take care of business from here. And the other the other thing that stands out to me is. Um, when I was watching it back, was the three he made when the when, to cut the lead from thirty to twenty seven, and mm-hmm. he's not you know he's not just making the shot and just sort of going through the motions. He's you know he's barking out defensive instructions and making sure everyone's where they need to be, and that's sort of the intensity uh, that no one will pay attention to when it's a thirty point game. Um, that can help build into something like what we ended up seeing where you know you're down 30 you're down 27 you're down 26 and and that intensity is still there that commitment is still there and at the end of the day you know that as long as Kyle Lowry is out there on the hardwood he only knows one way to play and one of the things i always think about is uh Darren Cahill who is uh, a tennis commentator and coach uh he always the the one thing 
he said about Nadal is Nadal plays every point like he's broke. Mm-hmm. And Kyle Lowry is exactly that. Kyle Lowry only yeah. knows how to play every single point like he's a broke-ass man playing for a job <laughs> um, and needs everything that he can get. Um, and it's it's a pleasure to watch someone play that hard night in and night out, minute in, minute out. Like, we're, you know, even even the charge that wasn't a charge where Porzingis gets called for a travel, like, he took a shot to the face, man. Um, mm-hmm. And he doesn't care because at the end of the day, he's going to make whatever play he needs to to help his team win. And last night was a perfect embodiment, uh, encapsulation of all of that. It's just so unbelievable to think about the starting point with Kyle to where we are now and how just like last night I thought just watching him in that fourth quarter, just like direct traffic and sort of usher guys to the right spots. And, you know, there was a couple of possessions where like Terrence Davis was not moving far enough off to set the screen and it was causing a little bit too much congestion. And, and, you know, one of the things that they wanted to do was avoid having Kyle give up the ball. And it seemed like what Terrence Davis was doing was setting them up for that. And he's just like screaming at Terrence Davis, but also just like a very like loving way at the end of the game, just sort of calling everyone out. And before even talking about his own performance, just like referencing Boucher, Davis, Rondé, and Malcolm Miller for for what they did in the fourth quarter. It's just the leadership is so – it never should have gotten to this point. (laughs) It just – it's so dumb that this has all happened with Kyle from the starting point to where it is now to the point where like the reverence that everyone seems to have for him is like universal, whether it's on the Raptors or elsewhere. And he just somehow, despite being kind of ornery and kind of an asshole sometimes is very clearly one of the most beloved teammates that has ever existed in Toronto. That's for damn sure. And just the, the respect he commands the, and just, backing it all up by putting up 32, eight and 10 while also screaming at all of his guys to, to get their shit together and screaming at refs and being the grift master and all of that. Like, it's just, it's, we're lucky. We're so lucky that we get to where we, that we've gotten to watch Kyle Lowry for the last eight years and it's going to suck whenever it ends. I'm glad it doesn't seem like it's going to end anytime soon because he's so damn good still that it doesn't make any sense for it to end anytime soon. And I I mean, I said it when all the injuries happened. This is going to be an opportunity to appreciate the hell out of Kyle Lowry for a month. And boy, we're off to a good start on that. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty absurd what he's done. And I mean, I don't know if they can keep it up. I don't think they're going to like necessarily beat the Pacers or anything like that. They might be a little bit too tall of an order on a back-to-back. Why not? The Pacers are also on a back-to-back. Who knows? The, Raptor, That's the, the thing. starters is that, minus I, I Kyle Lowry are well-rested. Yeah, that's the thing is like I look at these games and it's like they shouldn't win that game. They shouldn't be able to come back from down 30. I'm looking at the Christmas game and thinking, man, their janky ass defenses aren't going to work against the Celtics because of all the good players they have. There's no way. But like Kyle Lowry is the through line for all of the there's no way that has happened with the Raptors over the last seven, eight years. And there's often very much been a way. And it's kind of because of him. So I'm, yeah, I'm not going to count them out from winning either of these games. But even if they don't, just it's all gravy. Enjoy every single second of it because it's not going to last forever. 
And we might not get games like that very often anymore. But when they happen, they are so bloody special, man. I was just so... And just like watching the game with family who have varying degrees of caring about the Raptors and watching them be fully in the tank for Kyle Lowry. Funnily enough, like before we... Like before the fourth quarter even started, this was super weird. So... Uh, my fiance's dad, who they were hosting this Christmas thing, just wanted to give a couple nice toasts and stuff and say thanks to everyone for coming out and also toasted Kyle Lowry because we also toast a, a Raptor at every single uh, meeting or, or, or group gathering now because we just that just become a thing that we do. Uh, <laughs> and so he was like to Kyle Lowry a minute before he started banging threes on the, on the Mavs. Like, and just to see that all kind of come together, it was just a really fun, enjoyable experience, man. And I... Very lucky that it's all happened. <laughs> very, very, very <laughs> thankful. He just absolutely rules. Um, do you have any other thoughts on this game? Um, any other thoughts on this game? Uh, yeah, I mean, please, Raptors. I don't. I don't want to see anything like those first three quarters again. Um, <laughs> the first quarter was fine, although they probably should have taken more. Yeah, because the Mavs were still hung over from last shot. night. <laughs> That was the only reason the yeah. first quarter was fine. <laughs> yeah, the offense has been suspect outside of like two or three quarters since the uh, injuries, but that was to be expected. And they yes. won two games with two good offensive quarters. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. maybe yeah. it doesn't matter. Um, I mean, other, I mean, guys, who, I mean, Chris Boucher, we should probably talk about him a little bit. We kind of touched on him a little, but he was ridiculous. Uh, didn't really have the, didn't know he had that much juice as a roller. But apparently mm-hmm. he does, and like what a game from him, man! His defense—he had the one block that was that didn't end up counting. That was one of the most vicious things I've ever seen. Yeah. He is just so much more of an NBA player than I ever expected he would be, <laughs> and I take full credit for him becoming good the second after I tweeted about him not being an NBA player back during the Lakers game. <laughs> uh, but no, man, they, they've put him in a good position. I think the. Rondé Boucher front court clearly makes a lot of sense. And whenever they get healthy again, which could be never because anytime it seems like they're about to get healthy, someone else goes down. But if ever that happens, they have to find a way to make that pairing some sort of a staple of the rotation. It's just, it's too good all the time. Their defense is too maniacal. They rebound so well together, both ends of the floor. They had eight combined offensive boards last night between Rondé and Boucher. I mean, he's got to play. He's, he's he's really effective when he plays in short dose. And like that 12 minutes was kind of the perfect encapsulation of why both of those guys, plus Terrence Davis and Malcolm Miller, but mostly Rondé and Boucher, I thought are just like why they're good and what makes them tick. And the, this, the, the sort of context in which they are at their best. Um, yeah. I think when I think you raise an important point, sorry, did you want to f- complete something? No, no, go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, no, I, th- I think you raise an important point about um, you writing off uh, Chris Boucher on that West Coast trip because you think about where everyone was going into that West Coast trip or specifically when Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka got injured. Um, no one expected anything from those guys, right? Chris Boucher, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, t- uh, you know, okay, Terrence Davis a little bit. He had come on. Um, <clears throat> but as a whole, you know, everyone thought this team was going to be dead in the wa- water out West and they ended up going 
it was a nine and two in the absence of Lowry. Now they've won five straight here. And it shows, you know, you talked about uh, their moniker being defense leading to offense. But another thing that seems to uh, be becoming their moniker is the fact that they sort of just play to their own expectations and march to the beat of their own drum. And they don't really care about people writing them off, whether it's Kawhi and Danny leaving or, you know, all these injuries that have happened. Um, you look at Pascal Siakam, you look at Fred Van Vliet, you look at these bench guys who have emerged, you know, they don't care. They, they have their own sort of story that they want to write. And, um, regardless of who's in front of them, you, you go back to Rondé defending Damian Lillard and Kawhi. And you look at Chris Boucher, you know, rejecting the hell out of, uh, <clears throat> Montrez Harrell and then continuing to do it over and over again. All these guys have their own narratives that they're chasing. Um, and again, the, the expectations they have of themselves, I think, supersede anything that we seem to sort of predict in their future. Well said, man. Well said. Uh, we should probably wrap this thing up. But first, I want to uh, throw one last one towards you. Who or, or what? play from this game was your favorite like, which one's like the most lasting to you because there are so many damn choices god it's amazing uh yeah the last like pick one play from the fourth quarter that is uh the thing that you remember the most um i think i'm gonna go with the terrence davis three uh the pressure up top um was incredible the defense like initially you're thinking it's going to be an eight second violation uh, then they sort of throw the ball just to somehow try and avoid it. And Malcolm was able to t- tip it away. Uh, and then, yeah, to just to, to get it to Terrence and for Terrence to put up the shot like like they need a three. And, it, you know, the buzzers the, about to sound off and then it goes in. I thought that that to me was the moment where I was like, all right, this, this is probably going to happen. Cause that, yeah, that, that was, was the Terrence Davis-iest three of the, uh, I've ever seen. And he has a lot of Terrence davis threes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard not to go with one of the Kyle bombs. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, he was a big part of the defense in that play as well. So I, th- I thought that was a perfect encapsulation of all five being involved and making something happen out of nothing. Yeah, I, uh, I'm with you there. I think I got to go with the Kyle and one where he completely mm. – Tim Hardaway, and then I finished over Chris Stapps, I think. I mean, the sort of progression of him from being like a straight-line driver, I mean, he's obviously not that quite anymore, although he's been much more aggressive this season, but I can't remember who it was this morning on Twitter was making the point. It might have been you, I don't know. Um, just about how Kyle is kind of now working in so many different different like hesitations and his patience is so much more obvious and he's trying to overcome whatever physical limitations there are and still is able to like trick defenses into allowing him near the rim <laughs> that's kind of what he's yeah. doing and that was a perfect encapsulation of that the threes obviously all of them were were bombs and just just dripping with Kyle Lowry fuck you energy also the Ronde free throw i mean that was great. <laughs> Just the, yeah. The and, then, an underrated part of uh, Kyle's dish to Boucher was, again, the little, I'm going to step in Kristaps' way so that he can't contest the shot in any way. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it makes you think of that play when he dishes it off to Kawhi and gets Giannis 
screens Giannis completely out the way with his ass. Um, <laughs> and yeah, is it, those, those are the those are little Kyle things that he does, right? That uh, that no one's really going to pay attention to. You just sort of just see a, an awesome pass that leads to a dunk. Um, but yeah, I thought him giving Kristaps uh, absolutely no chance of contesting that was uh, Kyle at his premium Kyle. Yeah, it's all the stuff that if you don't watch him every day, you'd never understand. And I'm glad that it seemed like yesterday everyone was watching that game. Uh, it was like the only game going on in the afternoon, so all the uh, the basketball folks were tuning in and the just the appreciation of Kyle Lowry that was coming out of my phone was uh, <laughs> nice to read from a bunch of different sources. And then, you know, I'm glad he gets a Christmas game to get – sort of center stage as well. And, you know, I, I feel like mo- more people are becoming wise to what Kyle Lowry is and has always been. And I, I'm just very much in the tank for a continuation of that, uh, that, that league-wide and fandom-wide revelation that Kyle Lowry is, in fact, uh, over everything. I think that's probably a good place to leave this. It's been uh, lots of fun thinking about this game, man. I, I we got to finish watching back the fourth quarter. I jumped on with you. I got like three minutes left. They're up 101.97. I can't wait to finish the last 320 or so. Um, <laughs> just uh, an all-timer, man, much like other fourth quarter comebacks in Raptors history, like that Hornets one a little while back. Uh, where mm-hmm. they had, like The three point guards out there, DeLon, Fred, Lowry with – Damari Carroll and Jakob Pertl, <laughs> a pair of future Spurs somehow, uh, and then going at it. And just uh, one of those games, man. It was like that game on like a whole bunch of steroids because of the degree of difficulty yeah. of the comeback and everything like that. So just fuck. <laughs> I can't believe it happened. What a game. Uh, that's going to do it for this show. I'm I'm done gloating and losing my words to describe things. So we can wrap this thing up. Vivek, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. I'll probably have something up for Raptors Republic soon. Um, and if not, just plugging away, trying to get in touch with editors everywhere to get some stories out there. If you are an editor or someone who is in the position to hire people, Hi, Vivek. He rules hard. Uh, take my advice. It's, it's it's perfect advice. You can find me at Woodley Sean. Please subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. It's very much appreciated, not only for this show, but all of the shows on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Tomorrow, I'm going to probably quickly talk about the Pacers game in like a five-minute opening segment, but mostly tomorrow's show is a Christmas Day preview with John Corrales from Lockdown Celtics. It was a fun one, so stay tuned for that. And uh, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you on Tuesday with another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Raptors.